0: This is
1: Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to every single Good Human out there tuning in right now. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast. This is guest episode number 63 I'm so grateful you're here today. If it's your first time, welcome. If you're coming back, thank you so much. I love hearing all of the messages of support and everybody continuing to support this podcast blows my mind. So thank you so much. I'm going to start today's episode a little bit differently. There's been so much growth over the past week, Two weeks, two months, it's been incredible the amount of new subscribers and followers to this podcast, which I'm so grateful for, but I thought I'd explain to everyone what The Good Human Factory is because I know a lot of you would know, but for all the new members, I just thought I'd explain the five pillars and what I'm doing with The Good Human Factory and what this podcast comes under. So I have a family history of mental illness, so I've always been very forward thinking about mental health and I've been a professional surfer my whole life, traveling the world and have learned some incredible skills from talking to people, from doing courses and yeah, just being very forward thinking and actively interested in my mental health. So three years ago when my younger sister lost a few friends to uh, mental illness, I decided, you know what, I need to do something about this. So I started to put together a little program to take to schools and talk to people. So the first of the five little branches of the Good Human Factory is my workshops. So I run a forty-five minute to an hour interactive keynote with high schools, corporate groups, functions, conferences, and also sport clubs. I've spoken to over fifteen thousand people over the last twelve months, which has just been mind blowing. And for years, I had, well, for the first year, I had a lot of imposter syndrome, but. Over the last year, I've really learned that the stuff that I'm putting out is highly engaging to students, highly engaging to corporates and sport clubs, and yeah, I'm so grateful that the message I share has been so well received. So that's the first branch. The second branch is the community, the 1% Good Club. So over on Instagram, every single day, I send a 10-minute guided meditation in the morning, and every night, I send three things I'm grateful for. This is meant to be 14 minutes of your day, which is just 1% of your day, which hopefully everyone can agree we can dedicate 1% of our day to our mental health. That also has a podcast episode on Wednesdays where I talk about the community, which is one of my favorite episodes of the week. The third branch is, of course, this podcast. Good Humans podcast is now under the Good Human Factory umbrella, which I'm so stoked about. And Good Humans podcast, if you're listening for the first time today, or if you only listen to the guest episodes, is a place for me to to just learn from guests about their stories. But also on Mondays, I talk about my sober journey. I'm five months into a 12-month challenge of not drinking alcohol, and I share my experience. That's been super well received. On Wednesdays, I talk about the 1% Good Club. I share some gratitudes from the groups, and also just talk about a topic that I find interesting. And of course, these Friday episodes are my guest episodes where To be honest, I just chat to people way smarter than me who I'm curious about their life and so often the guests do have large profiles who have achieved amazing things, but what I want to show is that every single person has mental health and we all go through challenging times throughout our life and highly successful people can articulate generally quite well what they've learned along their way, so the guest episodes are all about that. The fourth pillar of the Good Human Factory is our ambassadors. I've been lucky enough to work very closely with some of the world's best athletes from X Games gold medalists to Olympians to Paralympians and yeah, just a whole range of really inspiring people and they're helping me um, spread that message that mental health is something that we all have and we all should take care of it and a lot of the athletes are in this extreme sport world so I'm really trying to push this idea of making mental health cool and yeah, it's going really well. And the last little segment of the good human factory or the last little arm of the good human factory is of course our merchandise the merch has been really really cool i just wanted to make items that could spread a message i feel like gone are the days where we just buy an item because it looks good if you can buy something that can make a positive impact to those around you that's what this merch is all about and i thought i'd read out two messages i received in the last two days actually from different people who have purchased the merch um uh, That'll be pretty self-explanatory. So the first one went like this. Hey mate, I'm so happy with my gratitude hoodie. It triggers so many good conversations with random people in the street. Such good vibes. That was from a good friend Kane Varder. He's an absolute legend. But yeah, just knowing they're getting compliments in the street and starting conversations, that's what it's all about. And another message from a friend of mine, Alex Mioni, he said, Bro, straight up loving the gratitude tea. I've had that many random people come up to me and just start telling me what they're grateful for. It sparks some beautiful and inspiring conversations with randoms. I love it. So if you want to be like these legends and like so many who are supporting the Good Human Factory and pick up some merch and, yeah, just be a positive person in your community. Be a positive person to those around you and, yeah, hopefully spark some gratitude and hopefully spark some positive conversations um yeah make sure you go pick up some merch everyone who listens to this podcast gets a massive 25 percent off discount so if you do want to support the good human factory grab a shirt grab a hoodie grab some trackies whatever you like and use the code podcast and you get a huge 25 percent off Alright, today's episode, sorry that was a long intro, normally I read other sponsors, but I thought it was important to share with you what The Good Human Factory is and what I've been getting up to because it's so special to me and it's really cool to see the support it's gathered. So today's episode we have Danny Kennedy. Danny is a bloody legend. I was lucky enough to go on Danny's podcast a few weeks back called the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, which is huge, over 3 million downloads. And yeah, we had such an awesome conversation and I was like, man, I got to get you on mine. So we caught up for a chat and yeah, it's really, really cool to hear the journey that he's been on. He went through an interesting high school years where he didn't feel like he really fit in and he was trying to do everything he could to fit in. And yeah, he was a big basketballer. He loved playing sport, but just didn't quite make it to that level that he really desired. But then he found a shift from an injury and that's where his life really changed and took the direction it is now in this fitness industry as an online coach working with some of the biggest um, biggest apps in the world. He's the head fitness trainer for the Kick app with Steph Miller and um, Laura Henshaw, which is huge. He's also yeah a podcast host and yeah he does some amazing stuff this conversation fascinated me the stuff that we talk about towards the end when it comes to nutrition completely changed my mind on how to lose weight how to gain weight and how to gain muscle so make sure you keep an eye out for that so let's jump into the chat welcome to good humans podcast danny kennedy how are you bro
0: mate I'm good I'm happy to be here. I know it's really nice
1: we're sitting in your little apartment top level looking out all <laughs> yeah, over it's Melbourne nice. it's a beautiful environment to be sitting down and having a chat in but I guess what I wanted to open up with
0: with you is what are you grateful for? Mate to be honest I'm just grateful uh, particularly at the moment grateful to be to have the freedom to be back just working and helping people and getting a bit back to more normal life I've been kind of thinking about it a lot lately just obviously after the the last few years with um, plenty of lockdowns, particularly in Melbourne, um, it's just good to be able to put all the time and effort back into what I was doing beforehand, and and um, obviously be able to help as many people as possible. Uh, but second to that, I'm just bloody grateful to be uh, chatting with you today, mate. I appreciate you having me on. No,
1: nah, it's really cool. You had me on your podcast. It's the day we're recording this. It's going to come out tomorrow. So when this comes out, it'll definitely be out. I'll leave that in the show notes so people can catch up your podcast is huge the um, fitness and lifestyle podcast over 3 million downloads
0: man how's the journey been for your podcast to be honest it's uh it's been amazing i've really really enjoyed it um i got started with it back in 2016 so early days yeah and at the beginning it was more so just trying to tap into a, a bit of a not market, but tap into a, a different platform that I hadn't um, obviously done anything on before. And at the time, it was pretty, a bit of unknown um, platform, particularly here in Australia and in the health and fitness space. So I jumped into it and have put out at least an episode every single week since. Um, and just the, the people I've been able to meet, obviously the impact I'm able to have now with, with a much larger, larger audience after kind of all the years. Is awesome and I mean you know just getting to meet people like yourself and, and networking with people that you probably wouldn't get to otherwise if you if you didn't have that kind of value to offer in return um, has been amazing and it's definitely probably one of the more enjoyable things that, I, that I'm doing um, in total at the moment for sure yeah isn't it cool like like you said the conversations and the people you get to meet like I've
1: had access to people who I would never expect to just like yourself and the networking of it is crazy mm. it's something I encourage people to do like if you've I mean, I understand we're probably quite lucky. We do have a network maybe before we started, but people always say to me like, oh, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, it's like the best thing you can do if you are struggling to get your foot in the door with people. Like I say yes all the time to people, but I've been on hundreds of podcasts Mm -hmm. as a guest because I know how hard it is to get guests sometimes just to try and help people out. But it's a great way to just, yeah, like you said,
0: offer value to someone to come and have a chat to you and learn from them. Yeah, and I think what I've also found with it, and I'm sure you'd be the same, but... Um, especially early days with the podcast I was I was horrible at, at at recording the podcast and just probably just public speaking in general like I know obviously at the moment this, you probably wouldn't classify this as public speaking but when it's going out to a big audience I guess it kind of does fall under that category but just like being able to hone in on the skill of um, communication and and really probably now starting to understand that like audio for me is probably one of my strengths in terms of how I can deliver my content whereas mm-hmm. before you know i same as yourself and so many other people out there, I was putting out a lot of content online with other social media platforms like Instagram and even YouTube and stuff like that. And I still do to this day, but um, it's probably really allowed me to be able to get my message across to more people in a way that I find is probably more effective than what I would be at say, for example, like writing copy or um, even to an extent with posts on social media, I think this kind of allows you to show your personality a bit more and and allow the audience to get to know you as a person a bit better? Yeah, I I definitely completely relate to that. I think the way that even
1: just people consuming it, they're listening to you for an hour and there's not many like an hour or an hour and a half or even 20 minutes. Like Mm. most of the content we consume in our days is bite size and swipe and bang, like Mm. quick and sharp. Whereas if somebody listens to a podcast you know they're sitting down and listening and dedicating some time to it which i think it's a very unique platform and that's why it is obviously growing so much the podcast Mm. world but yeah it's just such a cool space to be in to be able to yeah just have conversations with people that you wouldn't get to and i'm sure you'll relate to this how cool is it just getting to sit down face to face not be on your phone not be distracted by anything Mm. and just communicate with someone i think it's like a
0: very lost art I love it and as you said it's pretty rare now even when you're hanging out with your partner or your best friend or whatever it's very rare that you sit down for any longer than 10-15 minutes and have a proper conversation without checking your phone or without having to duck off and go somewhere or get distracted by this or that so you know I find you know there'll be guests that I have on who I've never met before mm-hmm. you know similar to yourself when we recorded the one for my show and by the time you finish the conversation you feel like you've really built this good rapport and and uh, even relationships sometimes with mm. people who you've literally known for probably sixty minutes. Yeah. In comparison to, you know, there might be people you see all the time, and you don't know anyth- anywhere near as much about them as what you do about the person you've met sixty minutes ago. Just because you're be about to have an in-depth conversation. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I just I just really enjoy it. It's good fun.
1: Yeah, I think it's cool, and this is why today's conversation is going to be dope because you had me on recently, like what, yeah. a week and a half ago, we recorded, yeah. so you got to know like a lot of my story and. Same thing. I know quite a bit of your story from like Josh and Steph, our mm-hmm. good friends, and watching your social media stuff. And you've had like my best mate Alex Hayes yep. and chatted to him. So I'm like, it's really cool to get to just ask you the questions that I've been burning to ask for a <laughs> yeah, long time, yeah. and get to know how you got to where you are, and get to let the listeners know what you do. So I guess let's start with that. Like, what do you do?
0: <laughs> well, mate, I'm obviously in the health and fitness space. So I've uh, I've been a personal trainer since um, I started my business in 2014. Um, prior to that, I was uh, a basketballer, so I grew up playing football and basketball. And um, at that stage, my only intention in life was to be a professional basketballer. And, uh, but at the same time, I'd always absolutely frothed uh, the health and fitness side of things. I always loved the, the, the training side of stuff. When I look back at it now in hindsight, probably more than what I actually enjoyed, the, mm. the sport itself. Um, which is kind of ironic how it kind of turned out. But yeah, so being a personal trainer since 2014, um, a couple of year or about a year and so after I started face-to-face PT, I got into the online space. Um, started coaching people online and, and just kind of um helping initially just friends and stuff like that with some programs and um some nutritional advice and and just stuff that I'd learnt myself, all the trial and error that I'd done, which is basically Made all of the possible mistakes you could, mm. um, and just started sharing value that way, and um, and then yeah, started my podcast uh, around the same time as I started the online stuff as well, um, and it's just allowed me to yeah, really, really just do some amazing things and things that I would never have kind of thought or dreamed that I would I would kind of be doing um, back in the day when I was kind of growing up in country Victoria and still playing basketball, kind of just you know, everything happens for a reason, I believe, and um, and some of the stuff been fortunate enough to do has just been amazing, and yeah. obviously, yeah, working um, with our good friend Steph and, and and Laura as well in the Keep It Cleaner business with their coaching app, um, which I kind of joined them right at the start when they launched the app, which was um, awesome, so so yeah, today I kind of split my time between uh, still doing a decent amount of face-to-face coaching, uh, but i Big priority of mine is is in the online space um, through my own coaching platform and and with the keeper cleaner stuff and then obviously the, the podcast and um, <laughs> yeah mate we're, my partner Danielle and I launched a, an activewear brand as well throughout COVID so that's kind of another project we're working on and yeah a bit like yourself mate just just um, plenty happening but I, I really enjoy it also you know as cliche as it is it it, it really doesn't feel like work mm. a lot of the time it's I, I don't have. Any real issue with kind of waking up each day and thinking to myself, you know, I've got to go do X, Y and Z today. It's really like I get to do this today yeah. um, and, and I just enjoy it. And, and it's because it's I'm so passionate about it. It's more so waking up every day and just really looking forward to the opportunity to, to kind of take that next step forward or mm. reach more people and do new things and, and meet new people.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it's such a cool story and I can't wait to sort of get into it and go step by step through the challenges and yeah. the best parts. I just wanna precursor to everyone listening, what happened today. I was meant to so I stayed at Josh's um Josh and Steph's house last night and Josh is like and DK was like, All right, yeah, come in and train tomorrow and I set it all up and he was like, Come in and Josh was like, All right, set your alarm for five twenty, we're going at five thirty to the gym. And I stupidly And I've never done this. I've been a professional athlete my whole career and I don't think I've ever missed a gym session. And I set my alarm for 5.40 instead of 5.20 (laughs) and I wake up and I message Josh and I was like, yo, and he's like, oh, you slept past your alarm and I was like no nah. and I was like oh my god it was 5 20 and I missed your gym session this morning so in your mind I'm probably like hopeless with working no. out but I do love it, it as happens. well and I, and I relate a lot to you about this idea of appreciating the sports science behind the sport just as much mm-hmm. as competing in the sport because it's something that I really relate to throughout my career I've been very lucky to work with some incredible sports scientists and understand the biomechanics of our body mm. and what we put in it and how it works and for me that fascinated me so i really want to get to know yeah, yeah your journey into that so let's rewind back to the start like where were you born how's your upbringing and yeah what was the uh, early days up to high school like for you
0: yeah so i was born in horsham in country victoria um I got a bunch of family that that were that were there at the time and still there now um got a i was very fortunate um had a, had a you know, my parents have been awesome, re- really supportive, um, right from day one. Got a brother and a sister as well, uh, but yeah, grew up country Victoria. Uh, always played sport as a as a kid. Um, gravitated eventually more towards basketball and, and Aussie Rules footy. Basketball always being my kind of priority, um, right from right from the beginning. I kind of made that decision that that basketball is what I wanted to pursue, um, probably more so than football initially. Um, yeah, mate. I, I mean, growing up, I was never. Uh, definitely was never I wouldn't say super talented um, or as much as as what some others would be, particularly even in basketball or football. Um, but just absolutely loved it. And as I said, the family were super supportive of me trying all the different sports and trying to find what I enjoyed most. Um, and then just throughout school, just continued to pursue basketball um, along with still playing playing footy at the same time. And into high school, was fortunate enough to play it at, um, at some at some you know really high levels with basketball, but I think the difference for me and and something that has been a massive blessing for me now at the time, it was, uh, you know, devastating at the time, but I was always kind of on the fringe of being good enough, I Mm -hmm. guess. So, um, and that stopped me just kind of uh, my own kind of like mindset. It was just the truth as in like, as an athlete, I was playing at a really high level, but at the same time, you know, missing out on state sides, um, always on the fringe of being in the teams and, and getting cut from things, and that was pretty much the story for my whole uh, basketball career, I guess. So, like, you know, the in Horsham we had a, an incredible kind of group of of athletes in football and basketball, um, particularly basketball. So I don't, for whatever reason, Horsham just bred some bloody good basketballers, nice. I suppose. So. You know, it was at the time, it was so disappointing um, for me. Like, I, f- I thought that my work ethic um, was up there with the best, if not the best in terms mm. of putting in the hours and, and putting in the effort with training and, and whatnot. Um, and f- to have so many people around me continually um, having success in terms of, like I said, state teams and national teams and doing X, Y and Z, I was always kind of the one who was just missing out. So mm. it was, you know, like I said, I think at the time it was it was so demoralizing um to continue to miss out knowing that i was putting in the time and the effort and and just working my absolute ass off but i really feel like it was the best thing that could have happened for me in terms of the long run because for whatever reason i don't know why um i was never the type of person to just kind of have that setback and then just be like ah oh, fuck it i'm i'm done yeah. or like who gives a shit or like make excuses here and there it was always like get cut all right fuck it, I have to work harder now mm. and it would be straight away it wouldn't be like oh I don't even want to do this anymore and eventually have another crack it was like I'd be at like a, a state selection triad and be the only one out of our like kind of group that would get cut and it'd be like by the time we got home I'd be back at the stadium practicing or wow. you know what I mean so where do you think that work ethic came from man I, I really don't know like I said I was never I wouldn't say I was naturally like super talented Were you like pushed by your family or anything or was it quite self-intrinsic self-intri- like it was definitely self-intrinsic. Like like I said, my family were very supportive, but mm. they were never the pushy parents. That'd so be yeah, like, cool. you know, forcing you to go to training or forcing you to compete or disappointed with you when you miss teams or, or anything like that. So I was very lucky like that. And like I said, I really don't know what, <laughs> what made me <laughs> like that, but that was my strength. Like, it, it was literally to the Resilience, point where I think yeah. people around me would probably get to the point where they're just like, mate, fucking give it up. Give it up. Like, what yeah. are you doing to yourself? You, you literally... Working your ass off over and over and over again, and continually getting disappointed, um, but that was just just never ever crossed my mind. Um, and as I said, I felt like my work ethic was my strength. So I knew that from a skill level, I was not never going to be the most skilled player in my basketball side or my football side. But I knew that I had the work ethic there. So that's that's what I kind of did. I, I went all in with with the physical side of things. So football, I was just you know making sure when it come to preseason season or, or the end of preseason, I was like the fittest there aerobically, um, eventually kind of getting introduced to strength training through basketball. Um, and and then the same thing applied there, you know, I, I got into the gym initially, absolutely hated it, mm-hmm. uh, and then fell in love with it pretty quickly once I started to see results and, and just really just, you know, when I look back on it now, like probably overdid it, to be honest. Like by yeah. the time I, I got to finish year 12, like, I was pretty much the same same height as I am now, and I was about 25 kilos less. Wow. So, um, you know, that was probably one thing I was I was getting a lot from people around me is, is almost people a bit worried about how much I was training. Like, when I look at it now, knowing all the, the – having all the knowledge I know now around, you know, overtraining and under-eating and really mm. unhealthy relationships with food, that was definitely me. Like, I was under-eating, over-training, but just obsessed with – with trying to achieve my goal of, of making it to the highest level with mm. basketball or whatever I tried my hand at, so that was kind of the story for me, like my whole junior career all the way up until I finished um, until I finished school and and yeah that's kind of how the, how the story no, went no, that's yeah that's interesting.
1: what else was on your radar like coming to the last years of high school not really making the teams mm. what were the kind of what was your vision post school if basketball wasn't going to be an option
0: well it's funny like there was none because um, yeah. when, I, when I talk about how like I wasn't making teams, like thing is I was still in a lot of the, the state squads. I was still yeah. making certain selections. Like I, I was in like some state intensive programs where I was fortunate in year 11, we went over and played in the States. Um, you know, I was, I was playing at the time our, our basketball team in Horsham played in like the big V league, which is kind of like the the main basketball league throughout Victoria nice. and Horsham was was such a good team that we were you know I was one of the younger ones in the side at the time like this is the men's side and, and at the time I was still kind of like year nine ten eleven yeah. twelve so from the outside in it looked like I was successful with basketball and, and I did have and some are, really uh, good success with basketball I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I was but not shit. the level that you expect but where well, I wanted well, to well, be well, I was just continually yep. just that little bit short so because I had that mindset of just working hard, I was like, I'm just going to keep persisting with this. And if I, I, know if I'm consistent with it and I keep persisting with this journey, then, then I'll get that break. But I eventually kind of, because I'd fallen in love with the health and fitness side of things, I'd, uh, I eventually did my, I did my personal training qualification, like via correspondence in, while I was in school, kind of separate to school. Nice. Um, at the time, not really having any intention of becoming a trainer, it was more so just because I just loved learning more about the whole health and fitness side of stuff. And as well, because it might help your basketball career. Yeah, yeah. And like, also, it was was kind of like, all right, well, maybe if if I want to train someone, I'll be qualified to do it or something like that. So, um, you know, it wasn't until towards the end of year 12, where I kind of almost had the the realisation that maybe it may not happen because my intention was to try and go play over um, college basketball. Yeah. And it probably wasn't looking that likely. So it was funny how it worked out. I, I literally just made the decision to quit basketball and focus on football. Um, so I was going to take a year off basketball after year 12, put all of my effort into footy because I was starting to get some good success with footy, but I'd have to keep missing things because I would prioritise the basketball. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I made that decision and within like three days I'd been asked to move to Melbourne for basketball so that whole thing just flipped like it took <laughs> me so long to finally get make the decision to stop basketball and then after I made it within like three or four days I was about to pack up my bags and, and move here straight after school so initially I'd, I'd kind of decided that I was either going to become when I, fit, when I kind of had the I guess realisation that may, basketball may not work out professionally I, I thought to myself right I'm either going to because my old man was uh, a plasterer, his own plastering business. So, being around like tradesmen and stuff like my whole life, I was like, all right, I might got a look- Yeah, I looked at that, and I, I also contemplated, you know, becoming a sparky. Or I um, applied for university to go do my exercise sports science degree. So I was pretty unsure, to be honest. I really had no idea, mm. like, what I was going to do. Because I, I don't know, don't know, delusional is the right word, but I'd, I, my whole focus was purely just on being a professional basketballer. I, yeah. I didn't really put any thought to anything else, mm. um, so yeah, so I finished finished school, moved here full time for two years for basketball and um, and then yeah, eventually ended up having, it, having an injury, having to get my, uh, have an ankle reconstruction after two years here and then, like I said, everything happens for a reason, at the time it was... It was like the end of the world for me in my mind because mm. I've made some really good progress over those two years being in like more of a professional and full-time like training structure. Yeah. And then, uh, and then yeah, had this ankle Rico and and for that month or two initially it was kind of like really felt pretty depressed and, and not really sure what was next and mm. it was a blessing because that's, that's what kind of gave me the time and opportunity to start my business and, and all of a sudden the focus went from being all about me to being all about helping as many people as I could because I'd seen how much I felt my life had improved through being in the gym and, and building some muscle and building confidence by being in the gym and stuff like that. I, I think, you know, I definitely wasn't, um, I'm not going to say I was like flat out bullied as a kid, but I always felt like I was kind of like just on, on the cusp, like I wasn't really like fully in like the cool group or anything yeah. like that, but I, I, I felt like I was not confident like at all and my whole personality was like trying to please others and fit in Mm. and i think it was throughout year 12 or towards the end of the year 12 i kind of just had this i don't even know what it is i had this kind of like moment or realization that i was like fuck it like i'm done with trying to please everyone else like i just don't Mm. i I need to start doing what i want to do and if people don't like it then fucking bad luck and and that was best like that was the best kind of mindset shift that I've had and and since that day I kind of like haven't really looked back mm. in terms of thinking like that
1: yeah I think it's such a good one and I reckon I've kind of come into that only in like my mid to late 20s and the mindset that I bring into that is like who cares like as long as you're living true to yourself if people don't like it mm. like fuck, you can't really do much about it and we try and please everyone so often and what yeah everyone wants to everyone to like them, mm-hmm. but when you can drop that that it really matters and gets to you it's like such a beautiful pl- like place to be mentally
0: it is and, and i just felt like you know i'd spent my whole schooling life or whatever being in that kind of position like all right i'm going to just do this this and this just so i can fit in or just to please others or even if it's not what i really want to do like mm. it's what all my mates are doing so i want to stay friends with all these guys so i'm going to do this this and this and i was like you know what i've done this my whole life and i'm not happy like i feel stressed all the time i was I feel like I was really anxious as a kid as well. Like I, I, really, I struggled to sleep at night. I would be overthinking absolutely everything. I just wasn't that happy. And then, yeah, I'm really am not too sure what it was. I kind of just had this mindset shift and it just went from being, you know, what it had previously been to just being like, oh, I'm just going to do what I want to do and that's it. And I think a lot of that really did come from being in the gym, which is yeah. what made me just feel like I want to give back to people. I want like someone else who feels like I did for the last few years or the last my whole school pretty much. I want to be able to help them realize that there's another way to do it. And, yeah. and if that means it's from being in the gym and building your confidence or, or building your physique and, and, and stuff like that, I want to help people not make all the mistakes that I did yeah. and pass that on. And that's kind of like what I've now spent my whole career doing since mm. since I finished school is just trying to help people not make the mistakes I did and, and use my knowledge to um, just help as many people as I can. And I get so much enjoyment out of that like i'm um, obviously still super competitive and, and love competing but it really isn't about me anymore like i i, I feel like I'm, I'm extremely uh selfless in terms of like everything i do now is more so to help other people
1: yeah it's such a great way to live how old are you i'm 28 oh me too when are you yeah. what's your birthday 24th of october oh, i'm a couple months older than you but while i was going to this is i feel like so many people and i read something recently in a book or heard something somewhere, how there's like, they talk about there's like two mountains to climb. And the first one is trying to like, be success for yourself. And then once you get to the top of that mountain, it's like, you kind of realize, well, you can only live that long, that life for so long, and then realize that the next peak's bigger. But that's where the fulfillment comes from. And that's through service and through helping other people. And it takes a lot of people, usually like their 20s and 30s and 40s to build that career to get successful enough to leapfrog into like the service part of their life whereas Mm. it's really special to meet other people like yourself who have realized that quite young that giving back is something that literally makes us happy there's so much science that backs it up and you can probably talk about this too by giving and doing for others it changes our brain chemistry to make us happier Mm. yet the world we live in is so filled with marketing and advertising when you get this then you'll be happy when you do that then you'll be happy go on this holiday then you'll be happy and it's like not really it's like when when you you... told me
0: that story about tokyo i was sitting there when when we recorded um, my show and i was just sitting there thinking man that's like i relate to that so much and and it's so true because you don't get taught that at school Nah, not at all and it's it's always about even to this day like don't get me wrong like i you know like anyone else i do like material things here and there and it is what it is and everyone wants to do well in life like obviously i'm not saying oh i just want to do nothing as long as other people are doing something i'm happy but like yeah, you just realise that once you are able to, to give back and, as you said, be of service to other people, that, fulfill, that mm. fulfilling feeling is just something like nothing else. It's yeah. amazing, yeah. And I
1: feel like financial success and success in a materialistic way is far more fulfilling when it comes from doing good for others. Like, we're talking yep. about this when we're walking up to record, like, it's a very limited number of people who can become extremely financially successful but do it in a way that is a benefit to people in the world. <laughs>
0: yeah and yeah i I couldn't agree more, and it's like yeah i i mean it knowing that you're kind of like living true to your like purpose and and that's what's allowing you to stay i guess motivated or disciplined, mm. in whatever you're trying to do um and then the result of that, as you said is, is being of service to other people is yeah it's just a it's a it's an epic feeling um and and similar to what we also talked about prior to recording, it's like having that realization or the understanding that there is no lack of abundance Mm. it's like just because you're doing well doesn't mean that i can't do well yeah and like what if i'm if i'm i think so so many people look out there and see see the fact that like almost feel like they feel this lack or feeling of too much competitiveness seeing that like if someone else does well that means that they're doing well and they're taking my success or if they're Mm. making all this money that means i can't do it but i see it more now like, if there's someone else in my industry that's doing extremely well, I, I get motivated by that. Because mm. I'm like, oh, they're kind of showing me what's possible. Exactly. Or they're showing me what, what can be done. And, you know, what better way to kind of enjoy your life than being able to bring other people up around you at the same time as well so they can experience it with you.
1: Absolutely. And, and I've spoken, I've told this story a few times in this podcast, but I'll tell it again to you because I mm. think you'll relate to it. I read in... um. I can't remember what book it was. I think it might have been Lost Connections by Johan Hari. I don't know if you've read that. If you haven't, I'm send it to you. It's incredible. But I'm pretty sure I was in that and it talks about this psychologist who, this person who was just in a really bad spot depressed because they felt like, um, yeah, whenever their friends did well, they felt like, oh, that means like they compared themselves. Yes. And then the psychologist goes on to talk about if you're only happy when you succeed, you've got one chance to be happy. If yeah. you're happy when the five people around you, who your friends succeed, yeah. there's six chances to be happy. Yeah. If you're happy just when you see someone else do really well in your industry or anyone do well, it's yeah. like what I said to you um, this morning, I mean, when we're coming up about Luke and Sassy Scott, who I'm going to record with tonight. Yeah. I just sent them a message when I saw them doing some cool stuff and I was just like, dude, you guys are killing it. Keep it up. Just like be nice to people doing well and then opportunities come from it rather than be like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you start to realize that like, by just being happy when other people around you are happy, then the same thing happens for you when you get success. Like it sucks when you've got no one to call when you get a
0: win because you feel yeah. like your friends are going to be disappointed that they're not doing well. What's the saying? Uh, I'm, I'm horrible at saying, so stuff this up. But what is it like? The people you burn on the way up are the people you're going to have to see on the way back down, or mm. something. That's yeah, something wrong, like that. But something along those no, lines. No. It's like yeah, and, and I think almost I don't know if it's a selfish thing, but it's almost like it's such a good feeling knowing that when you are able to um you are able to be a part of someone else's like happiness mm-hmm. or their success or or be have some kind of form of a role in, in seeing them do well or being able to, mm-hmm. to help them out in some way that gives you that kind of fulfillment and satisfaction as well like yeah even if you have nothing to do with it directly if that makes sense mm. yeah it's like And I talked about this
1: with some um, friends recently, Lucy and Nikki, on their podcast, like with acts of service, so many people do it as a transactional thing and do it for like, oh, I'll do something good for them so they do something good back to me. And it's like, once you understand the science behind kindness and gratitude and being a good person, you realize you don't do something nice. You do do something nice for them because it makes them feel good, but it makes you feel good as well. It's not about a transaction it's Mm -hmm. like i do it something nice because it makes me feel good i don't like if i get something back amazing if not i've already got what i needed from it which was just getting to do something nice for someone
0: i think in terms of happiness as well or or being consistently kind of staying at that neutral level it's like if i go into everything with zero expectation of anything in return Mm. that my my level of happiness and my level of fulfillment and satisfaction is so much better consistently because i'm never being disappointed Mm. but i'm not going into something as you said going like all right i'm going to do this for them and hopefully get something in return if i don't now i'm disappointed it's more so like i find it so much easier to stay motivated when if i put out a podcast it gets zero downloads like whatever Mm. It, it is what it is where if it gets like a million downloads that's still yeah. amazing but it's like I'm still going to turn up and do that same thing without regardless of what the result is or regardless of whether I actually get anything in return.
1: Yeah, it's like my dad always said to me
0: as a kid appreciation not expectation. Love that.
1: And when you can adopt that mindset, yeah, I'm going to get shirts made with it. it was literally, it's literally my great. dad told it to yeah. me all the time as a kid and why he said it to me was when I was like sponsored by Rip Curl when I was young, I'd get a box of like clothes. Mm-hmm and like wetsuits and then I'd go to the next event and like I might be winning the event but then the other kids once I rip Curl got like the newer wetsuit or something and I'd always whinge to my dad and he's like mate appreciation not expectation like appreciate yeah. that you got anything not yes. expecting more and it's like it's just such a lack mindset when you are like expect 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 it's yeah. like just appreciate yeah
0: it's such a different mindset. You should definitely get that on shirts. Yeah, I'll it'll be cool. Though, so good. But
1: let's keep going into your story. So, when did um, let's talk about when you started your business? What was that journey like? Starting a business? Did you have any expertise in starting a business? Starting a fitness business? I'm sure Fuck, is man, interesting. Absolutely fucking zero. <laughs> <Neither> like
0: <laughs> It's funny. Like the 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 pathway to me getting to where I am with my business now is very similar to the pathway, I guess, for me actually learning all the the health and fitness specifics as well. Like when I was trying to learn how to eat and train for results, I just tried everything made all the mistakes and that's kind of what helped me Mm. learn all the right ways i guess or at least led me down the path of of having that kind of evidence-based science scientifically backed kind of approaches with with business it's been very much the same um yeah i mean i had zero knowledge around business whatsoever but i took the same mindset into growing my business as what i did to learning about health and fitness it was like all right who is doing well, who is, who is successful in these areas or who seems to know what they're doing. Like I'm going to try and learn from them. So Mm -hmm. whether it was trying to network with people in person, I was very fortunate to have some good people around me and and clientele who were in the business world. So I I really tried to make the most out of every conversation Mm -hmm. there, but just learning through reading books, listening to audio books, listening to podcasts. Um, but along the way, I I mean, I literally had zero knowledge around like running a business whatsoever and literally only up until like the last few years I've still been making big mistakes like with things like tax and all that type of stuff like it's been such a learning curve but um, similar to the health side of things I I probably wouldn't wouldn't trade it because it's it's really allowed me to one actually learn how to do things Mm -hmm. the the right way and and learn from my mistakes but again now it's really motivated me even from that aspect um, to help other people within the the fitness space that are starting their business to, to kind of put out content through the podcast or online talking about some of the mistakes I made to, to, to allow them to, to hopefully not make all the same ones as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of started out, um, as I said, no real knowledge about how to run a business whatsoever. So you had
1: your, your PT thing from year 12, then you did basketball, and then in your early 20s, you're like, all right, I need to
0: start. Yeah, so I, so I when I moved here for basketball, I really just had no time to be working full-time. So yeah. I started running, uh, working as a gym instructor, just kind of walking around the gym floor yeah. doing absolutely fuck all pretty much, just talking to the members and, and just enjoying myself in the gym. Um, and then I had an ankle reconstruction, and, and like I said, that was the biggest game changer for me and, and such a blessing because uh, without that, I honestly don't know where the hell mm. I would be because it, it I, I feel as I wouldn't I wouldn't have done any of the stuff I've done over the past kind of you know seven, eight years or whatever. It's been um, because I would have still been on that same path of trying to, to become a basketballer. Um, but initially, it was quite funny. Like, I, coming back to what we talked about, me not really giving a shit anymore about what people thought. I, I'd always been so interested in, in physique, competing, like bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not, not a huge dude, but I, I, I. after the injury, I kind of took that as an opportunity. I was like, all right, I'm not playing basketball. I really don't give a shit what what people are thinking about me i'm going to do a a bodybuilding competition like in the at the time it was the men's physique category um so i kind of self-taught like pretty much self-taught myself about how to to get ready for the show and just learned from all different people online and and coached myself into uh, a physique competition and you know over that following kind of couple years i ended up doing competing like nationally here competing in vegas like at the natural olympia and stuff like that but that was really uh, beneficial for my business because I had all this content and that's where I also kind of learned the power of documenting my journey and, mm-hmm. and putting content online to help grow my business. And so I just started building my, my client base um, as a personal trainer. And because I was putting out so much content and you know, I had a lot of people who probably know me for years and gone from being like this 63 kilogram, buddy, skin and bones look like a twig to seeing on social media me, me making some progress in terms of my physique people reaching out and asking for advice and stuff and that was such an awesome feeling because I'd almost like it kind of felt like you know I wish I had someone that I could kind of reach out to when I was making all the mistakes mm. and, and get some advice so I almost took that as a bit of a, a responsibility and a duty to, to really start helping anyone who, who needed it um, and that's what led me down the path of the the online stuff and it's so funny looking back now, like where I'm at now with using like a you know, got a coaching app and doing the, all the systems in terms of how I run my online business, like where all that started and the progression of that and just how much that's evolved and um, and yeah, just from the business perspective of of being a personal trainer, like learning pretty early the art of not the art, but like the the importance of networking yeah. and communication and, and time management and all these little skills that you know when you think about becoming a personal trainer, all I'm thinking about is being in the gym writing programs for people, but it's like all of a sudden Everything you're like, oh, shit, now there's, there's, uh, there's a lot more to this. The, the the programming side of things tends to be almost like the the smallest part of running the business. So, yeah, yeah there was just I – mean, I feel like I'm rambling, but it was just like there was just so much to learn. And um, But I was, I was so motivated by it that I was like just so intrigued to learn off other people regardless of whether they were in the fitness space or not just mm-hmm. about how to run a business – um, and and just trying to basically upskill as much as I possibly could by doing as much education that I, that I possibly could within the business, but also always keeping in mind that I wanted to master my craft as, yeah. as a coach first. So I think that's something that um, – I think these days that's something that a lot of people kind of probably get caught up in is, is with social media and marketing and stuff is all of a sudden people are putting all their time and attention into – running the business or the marketing and, and the social media stuff that they almost forget about that the they've got to be a good coach you've got to be a good fucking coach <laughs> yep. yeah um so it's just trying to balance the two
1: yeah I think there's so many good things you spoke about there, and I think something that it sounds like is this idea of like failing forward and expecting failure but learning from it and and I love that you're like willing to share and help people and that's basically what I do with mental health is just go in and share my yeah. stories and talk to people on podcast and I'll learn from mm-hmm. you and I'll pull something from it and like if we have an open mind when we hear something, it's, like, the biggest superpower I think you can ever have. Like, if you hear something and you go, instead of going, like, oh, that wouldn't work for me, going, like, hmm, I wonder, and mm. give it a try. Like, it was something my dad always said to me growing up. Like, my dad had so many good sayings, but it was, you got to learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. Yeah, And, like, that stayed with me forever, and I think that's where, for you, like, networking, asking questions, and yeah. people generally are nice enough to... If you go in there with a genuine you know what I mean question yeah, and coming yeah, yeah. from a good place mm-hmm. people are generally willing to help you and as long as you're offering value and it's not coming from a place where you want to like rip someone off and yeah you know what I mean exactly if you come right. from a place of like hey how can I add some value to you just so I can learn from you and be open-minded to what they say and take what works and put it into your business and take what works from that part and mm. yeah it, it's such a journey to I it.
0: think coming like, like coming back full circle so this all kind of ties into to what I spoke about at the start like because I failed so much as a mm. as an athlete, I took that mindset and I still do it yeah. to this day into absolutely everything. Yeah. Like I say this like and I, I mean this as genuinely as I possibly can. Like I just have no fear of failure. Yeah. Whatsoever. Or rejection. Like zero. Because I not failed failure. so much yeah. I, I just built like this fucking armor to where I'm like I I don't give a shit. And I and I kind of come up with this little analogy where I'm like, All right, if I'm sitting here like paralyzed by it, by fear of failure or rejection, if I'm thinking about um, asking you know, Cooper to come on my podcast and I'm so worried about him saying no, I'm so worried about what he thinks of me and blah, 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 I am in the exact position that I would be in if you say no before I've even asked. So the worst case scenario has already happened. Yeah. So I'm in the exact same position as what I would be if the mm. worst case scenario happens. So the only thing that can happen from here is positive. Yeah. And, and once you can get that, that mindset, because I see so many people and i really put a lot of the stuff I've done like with my business and I guess my career in the health and fitness industry, I put it down to that exact thing. No fear of failure or rejection because yeah. the amount of opportunities I've been so fortunate and blessed to have in my life now have purely come down to you know sending a message to this person without even knowing them or going out and trying this or doing a buddy fucking bodybuilding competition when no one around me had ever done that before mm. it was this most out there random thing that that no one even knew i was interested in like all these things that amazing things that have happened and i'm so lucky to have happened is a majority of have purely come down to the fact that i just had no fear mm. of failure rejection or what other people thought of me and and Yeah, I mean, that's literally, it's changed my life, like, that that mindset. It's so powerful, huh? Like, and people probably forget,
1: like, even with me on this podcast, like, I reach out to people all the time and get left on scene and, like, and I just follow back up. But I don't go into it like, oh, they're off me. I go, these people that I generally reach out to are busy. I leave Uh people on scene sometimes because I'm so busy. I'll check a message and go, oh, shit, I'll get back to that and then don't. And once you can realize that everyone's got a busy life, everyone's got their own shit going on and don't get feel like it's a direct at you mm-hmm. like very rarely is someone like and even if it is like they're directed at you and there's a bit of like disconnection and they're like oh is this guy it's like meh who cares i'll it's build up a bit more until i prove myself so they say yes it's like yeah and I think it turns we'll, into I gamify everything almost
0: yeah i find I, it like fun <laughs> that approach is cool and i i think as well like it's i think for some people it's easier a lot easier said than done to be like you know don't care what other people think about you or, or don't worry yeah. about rejection or fear of failure and stuff like that but you know the are worrying about what people think of you I think uh, the best thing I heard is that like what other people think of you is none of your business mm, and I like that and you know I think it's it's almost like a it's almost like an arrogance I think sometimes to think to yourself you know people will worry about what they post on social media or what other people think and you gotta sit there and be like am I that arrogant to think that someone is going to sit there for more than one second after they've seen my post and think about me or think about what I've just posted and actually put any thought to it whatsoever about what I've just done or what I've just posted. And and yeah, and I used to have that same feeling around like talking in front of like big crowds and stuff like that. And I'm so fortunate with um, particularly being able to work with, with Steph and Laura and get to do things in front of like large audiences and stuff, but I always used to worry about you know, do I sound like shit or like, am I going to stuff this up? And as long as you give your best, who cares? Exactly. And I always <laughs> just thought I'm like, when was the last time I went and watched someone speak and literally sat there and thought, geez, this guy sounds like fucking weirdo. Or he yeah. stuffed that word up I like 45 like- minutes ago. I'm going to think about that all day. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's not the case. So it's like, yeah, just I don't know that. But that whole approach and mindset, I feel like is. Without that, I, I would not be, have done any of the shit that I've done. Yeah.
1: I want to spend the last like little 15 minutes getting some advice for people out there yep. around your expertise, which is health <laughs> and fitness. So maybe what's – I'm trying to work out. I should have written more questions on this, but I was like, fuck it. I'm going to freestyle this yeah, one with Danny because I feel like we're good enough, mates so we can yeah. just have a good chat. But And I do have a bit of a um, – this is coming from sort of Josh. Josh was like, the thing that I love about training with Danny is technique mm-hmm. – is just as important as sort of as hard as your training. And that's something that I've been very fortunate to work with some of the best sports scientists in the world and coaches to always have this base of technique. Mm -hmm. For someone who goes to the gym who doesn't have a personal training coach, what's some advice for them on how to better technique and why is technique so important?
0: I think right from the start, particularly in this day and age, without a personal trainer, there is so much content online that you can find a reputable source and learn from them right from the start. But... It's all about like just, it's like anything. I think training and particularly strength training, as you would know, is a skill. Yep. So it's not like you can expect to go in there and expect to be good at it straight away. Mm. I wouldn't pick up a guitar without ever playing it and think that I could just fucking play it after one week. Yep. Like it's not going to happen, but it's like starting with the very fundamentals and foundations and really building from there. And so, doing it light too, yeah. Yeah, so it's like body weight initially. It's yep. like, you know, a squat is, a, is a, a skill. If you've never done it before, it is, it's hard initially. So it's yep. like, all right, I need to spend a good amount of time learning the, the movement patterns, like learning what feels right, what doesn't feel right, like try and learn from as many people as I can. And to this day, I think about like these mental cues in my head when I'm squatting that I'm telling someone who's doing too. a squat for the first time. So it's really starting very, very simple and gradually building from from there and not thinking that it's just going to happen straight away. But, you know, the importance of it, obviously like one of the most obvious ones is, is injuries, yeah. right? But the second thing is, and I talk about this a lot with like my email list and even through the podcast is I can, anyone can go into the gym and, and just like train hard and leave there feeling like they've done something after an hour. And and you see so many people do that or 45 minutes or 30 minutes. And you see so many people do that year in, year out, yet their physiques look exactly the same or they still haven't achieved like mm. their goal that they set out to do. Whereas when you strip things right back, if I go, you, know, you and I went down to the gym right now and I said, all right, grab this heavyweight over here and just do five reps of bench press for me and you just punch them out without putting any thought to it or if i said all right we're going to go 50 percent of the weight or 75 percent of the weight and every single rep i want you to think about every single part of this movement like think about these certain cues really try and get that mind muscle connection with your chest and triceps or whatever it may be not only is it safer not only are you are you going to be able to learn the skill better but if for someone trying to lose body fat for example if you're recruiting more muscle fibers every single rep that you're doing. You're burning more energy, so you can achieve more with doing less. Mm. So for most people that come to me when when we first start out, whether it's online or in person, the first thing I do is strip everything right back. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, we're doing you're doing at the moment six days a week. You're training twice a day, a couple of times. You're doing two classes here, three classes there, whatever. We're gonna go right back to the basic six week or for the next month, and you're gonna focus on every single rep, every movement that we do with intent and purpose and trying to actually get that mind muscle connection so we can build the foundation and you'll be very surprised that your, your results will be probably far greater by doing less but doing them properly and with intent and quality uh like i said recruiting more muscle fibers so you're going to be expanding more energy burning uh sorry building more strength and and lean muscle tissue and and thinking like less is more sometimes yeah i think particularly with training and once you've got that foundation then you can kind of really build it from there uh, but technique is just so important and yeah and you know, I've got people who I've trained who have been in the gym for 5, 10 years and you'll tell them one, one cue to think about on like a lat pull down, and then it's like, shit, I've never felt my lats like that before. And it's like, yeah, because you're just coming in and shifting the weight and yeah. putting in effort for the last one or two reps when just so it feels like you've done something and, and then kind of go from there. But um, yeah, it's, it just takes time, practice and... And I think just once you have that intent and quality there, you'll be surprised at how much better you can see results.
1: Yeah, it's like training smart, not hard. Like you can train hard and smart. but You have to
0: train smart before you can train hard. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's so important and so many people miss that step. And like you said, there is a lot of great resources out there from watching YouTube videos to filming yourself and Mm. comparing it to asking people in the gym. But what's the best way, I guess, to get in contact with you and what would be like i'm just trying to like think of your average person who might not have the funds to be able to do it do you recommend coming and seeing even if it's with you online or a personal trainer in the area because this is something i've been very lucky that i've had coaches around me so i can go into the gym and know my technique quite well and understand what i need to do for me but for a lot of people that have never worked with a coach how beneficial is it and this isn't trying to like you know what i mean sell something for you but this is just the importance of like we just spoke about even if it's doing like hey let's do three sessions but instead of saying to the person i want you to be my personal trainer being like hey just be honest and be like hey i don't have the funds to have a personal trainer every week but i really need to get my technique down can we do five weeks that we just focus on technique so i can go and do it myself like is that something that you kind of do with people
0: yeah for sure and this like I'll be completely honest with you. Like my whole like business marketing strategy is always give as much free content as, content yeah. as possible and basically never really ask to try and sell. So what I'm saying right now is not, yeah. I don't give it, I don't, really don't care whether people come and pay, use my services or not. But that, as I just mentioned, my whole approach, so like even through my social media and regardless of whether you want to follow me or not, like I put out content every single day with just that stuff. Like I'll document clients that are doing an exercise, put up cues that they're thinking of what I'm really coaching them on trying to put out as much valuable content where I actually am teaching people these things. But I always think of it like, you know, there's so many, most skills in life, you're really not going to, like uh, with the exception of of some, I guess, but a lot of the time you are going to either hire a professional or learn from someone who knows what they're already doing to to figure out how to learn Mm. a skill, unless you're just some crazy talented person who can just make shit up and figure (laughs) it out on the fly. And it's no different with health and fitness. I actually say to a lot of my personal training clients i'm like look come in for one or two sessions we'll go over your program i'm going to teach you all the fundamentals with you and you can kind of keep in contact with me and after that if you don't want to if you don't if you can't afford it or if you don't want to do it or whatever sweet like i never would say to someone like all right we're going to do three sessions for the first month then two sessions and one session it's like again it's just coming back to that whole mindset of like just trying to help as much as i can but i think if you can find the reputable sources online and really just Just kind of like just find that content where you can learn. So whether it is through things like social media these days, you can literally get content. Like even as I said before with my marketing, I feel like now people don't really pay from a business perspective. People shouldn't pay for information. They should pay for implementation. So Mm. that's why a lot of my content is, is just giving out as much of my knowledge as I possibly can for free through videos on exercise cues on, on, um, certain things to focus on with uh, nutrition, even like yeah, obviously yeah. nutrition, such a, a huge, um, topic and something that so many people uh, struggle with. So keeping it as simple as possible, I think, um, and, and just giving people the tools cause it's very easy to follow a program or, or get a trainer to give you a program, but not teach you how to do it. Mm. Um, so being, being able to have the tools and the skills to go out on your own and, when I work with the client these days it's like particularly online i 'm like, all right, after the first month or two months, if you still need me to tell you what to do, then i haven 't done listening. my job yeah, yeah so my whole goal is for people to stay around for accountability, not for yeah not for me to feed them how to or like what they should be eating or how many calories yeah. to eat or what to do in the gym this week, so Um, I don't don't think I've answered your question one single bit but I think think that's perfect and what I take
1: from that as well is everyone's different so you might consume a lot of great content but it's good to have even if it's like a few sessions with a coach just to like get them to watch your squat pattern your lunge pattern how you deadlift how you do your chins how you do your lat pull down Mm -hmm. and just get the cues and then you can go out and do it yourself because we are all different and that's something that yeah, sometimes if you're only consuming content and trying to do it, but your body shape's different or you don't have anyone to watch you to tell you if your Mm. cues
0: are looking the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a And I'm happy, and again, it's not me trying to sell anything, but if anyone who tunes in that that is in that position that needs the help in terms of learning exercise cues and whatnot, like I'm more than happy to pass on my my email and contact details for people to reach out and I'm happy to give anyone information they need for free, um, whether it's a, a sample program or anything that they need to try and get started at least on their and, and, and they can start on their own journey because um, you know like I've said like my whole whole reason I do everything I do now is because I, I was I saw how much of a change I had in my life and how great it makes me feel to be able to train every day and, and be able to help as many people as I can so I try and give out as much away for free as I can. So yeah. Anyone who, who does need help, um, don't hesitate to reach out because um, I'm more than happy to help you out. Nah, no, you're
1: the man. It's um, it's so cool to meet people like yourself who are just willing to give because then it comes back anyway. Like abundance comes when you least expect it, generally, mm-hmm. and like when you you give out something free and someone has a good opportunity and then they, alley you back in, but the boomerang effect. Yeah, yeah out there yeah. and eventually it'll come back. In yeah, or yeah. I, I love that. Let's talk about what you recommend for your average person. Let's say works an office job. How many times do you reckon or do you recommend someone should be working out? I mean, to be healthy.
0: Yeah, I think it's always a tough one. I think depends it, on body type. Person, yeah, it depends. I lifestyle. think ideally you should be trying to, to move as much as possible, obviously. But in terms of training, I think kind of getting that three. I always say to my clients, if you can try and commit to three sessions a week, and that can be in whatever form suits you best or what you enjoy, because one of the biggest uh, biggest aspects is you have to enjoy what you're doing so I'm not going to tell you know someone who comes in that hates going to go and lift weights I'm not going to be like alright your program is five days of weights because that's what works best because if they're not if you're not going to stick to it then why, why would mm-hmm. you even start it so it's finding what you enjoy trying to move as often as possible but I think around that three times as a minimum is ideal if it's less it's less it's just trying to figure out what fits in with your lifestyle and I say that uh, with all of my clients like your training and your nutrition Sorry, your your training and nutrition should fit within your lifestyle. Yeah, your lifestyle should never have to work around your training and nutrition if you are not a professional athlete. So it's trying to find an approach that's sustainable. And for me, you know, I, I have this saying that flexibility is the key to sustainability. Yeah. So yeah, and I know I just think this would be a value. I know you haven't even asked this, but in terms okay. of nutrition, I think that is an area that I am so passionate about trying to help people with because these days we see. There's so many different diets out there there's so many different fads you know there's people that tell you x y and z but in the end of the day nutrition is is very 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 simple it, in the end of the day it comes down to obviously the quality of the food you're eating and it, it matters i always talk about treating your body like a sports car if you feed it with with shit fuel then your ferrari is not going to drive that well mm. If you're feeding it with um high quality fuel it's going to perform a lot better but in the end of the day it comes down to energy in versus energy out to lose body fat we need to be eating in a calorie deficit and there's no such thing as good or bad food when it comes to body composition. To be building muscle mass or being, to adding weight, you need to be in a calorie surplus so you're taking in more energy than you're burning. And the what you eat, like the, the, the how much is more important than the what.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Way more important. And we, we can talk a bit, bit more about this um, afterwards. And, and I have so much free information out there for people to, to check it out. Um, but this is the biggest misconception, um, you know, the only reason any quote-unquote diet out there works is because you are burning more energy than you're taking in, regardless of whether it's fasting, whether it's paleo, whether it's vegan, vegetarian, mm. whatever it is. The what is nowhere near as important as the how much. Okay. Also keeping in mind, as I said, the quality, I think at least 80 to 90% of your calorie intake should come from quality, nutrient-dense, yeah. whole foods. But these days, there's just so much... There's so much conflicting information out there that people just get you know stuck in paralysis by analysis yeah in the end of the day if you are eating foods that you enjoy eating um, aiming to get majority of the calories from nutrient dense whole foods and you are having an amount of food on a day consistently on a daily basis that either puts you in a deficit for fat loss or surplus for muscle gain and weight gain you'll see results and it does not get any more complicated than that mm. trying to trying to get at least two grams of protein per kilo of body weight um, as a minimum. Those two things right there will give you 95% of the results that you want to see. The rest is just details that really aren't worth stressing about, whereas most people stress about all these little minute details Mm. and don't even take care of the the main factors.
1: Yeah, let's talk real quickly just about the idea of um, eating surplus compared to eating in deficit, because Mm. I kind of understand it, but comparing that to energy outtake based Mm -hmm. on let's say someone sits in an office all day and they can't get to the gym. Mm. So you're saying it's more important to eat less that day and then the next day they're like, all right, I can get a run in at lunchtime at work and then a gym session, you eat more that day. Mm. That's more important than, yeah, just like...
0: I I, I don't, I really keep things as simple as possible and and everyone should. So when I'm working out the uh, calorie, because I typically work with all my clients based around uh, macro or calorie targets, not so much meal plans. I'm not a fan of meal plans at all because it, it... it gives no people the mindset of like, all right, if I don't follow this and I'm off failed. my diet yeah. or I've failed and, and creates a really unhealthy relationship with food, as I've said. So, you know, like I'll have ice cream most nights, even if I'm trying to lose fat, I just fit it within my, my daily yeah. intake. And I tell people to think of their intake, like a financial budget. Yeah. Once you know how much you should be eating on a daily basis, it's up to you, how you spend it, when you spend it, what you spend it on. Mm. As long as you're, you're sticking to your budget, I promise you will see results. But coming back to your question, I'd never do it off like a day-by-day basis. Yeah. I do it on a, on a weekly average. So there's plenty of formulas out there and, and whatnot. But the best thing for you for anyone listening to do would be to, and, and obviously this comes down to whether or not people are, are willing to do to this with their nutrition. Yeah. But um, I always say to my clients, if if I'm not using like kind of the formula that I use for, for my clients, it'll be download an app such as MyFitnessPal over the span of a week. Don't change anything with your typical training or work um output at at all and don't change anything with your normal food intake track as closely as you can what you're eating over the span of the week and then take your your weekly average of your body weight and take your weekly average of how many calories you've been having on a daily basis if your weight hasn't changed whatsoever that average intake is what your maintenance calorie intake is so all you need to do from there is a slightly uh, eat slightly below maintenance for fat loss or slightly above for muscle gain so In a calorie deficit, I usually put clients in anywhere between two to 500 calories below maintenance. Yeah. For muscle gain, a little bit less, so about 100 to 300 calories above. If you are consistent with those two things, you will see results. It doesn't mm. doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. So, you know, going having a day where you don't train and and changing up your food is just overcomplicating things. Yeah. If we average things out across the span of the week, as soon as we hit a plateau, it becomes very simple now because yeah. we have our numbers. So it's like if my training hasn't changed and my food hasn't changed on a daily basis in terms of how much I'm having, then the very simple solution is to either increase output or slightly decrease input. And we, uh-huh. and we break through that plateau.
1: How do we work out what our output is for calories? Because I think it's a lot
0: easier to track input. Mm. You know we what don't I mean? need like- to. We don't need to. We don't need to figure out how much our output is. Okay. So... You just work out based if you're losing weight or putting on weight. Correct. Okay. So, you know, I, I I'll still typically track my workouts on, yeah. my, on my my watch. But the thing you have to keep in mind is that even if it's the most accurate We're watch, it's different. not that accurate, yeah. right? Yeah. So worrying about those small details about, all right, yesterday I burnt, you know, 600 calories in my workout, but last mm. week I burnt 700. I need to change how much I'm eating. It's just like a, a massive yeah, head it's, fuck. It's, no, it's not necessary. So if I'm following a very similar structure each week in terms of how much I'm training, and I know on a daily basis that I'm close to, to my um, calorie target. Yeah. As soon as I hit a plateau, as I said, it becomes very simple. Mm-hmm. I either increase what I'm doing in terms of how much I'm training by yeah. a small amount or I decrease how much I'm taking in from my, my intake that I'm having on a daily basis by a small amount and we rinse and repeat. Mm. So it takes the guesswork out completely. In my opinion, there should never be any guesswork when it comes to getting lean or to putting on weight. If there's guesswork, then, then how do you know what's working yeah. and what's not? So just like running a business, I, I always use the, term, uh, the saying that you should become the CEO of your own body. Yeah. There's no successful business owner out there that doesn't have at least a rough idea of what's coming in, what's coming out, you know, the numbers within that business. Yeah. So for me and my clients, it's, it's the same with training. If I'm training four days a week and averaging 2,500 calories a day and my weight stay the same for the past month, if I want to lose fat, I just need to eat below 2,500 or do a little bit more training. Yeah. No, I love that. It's, it's simple. It's
1: fascinating. You break that down so simply and I'm sure everyone's interested and learned a lot just from that little Hopefully. segment because it's you explain it in a way that's so much more digestible than so many things, but yeah.
0: And that's the thing and sorry to cut you off, but no. it's just like, it doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. It is so simple and it, and I have that a lot when I work with people. It's like that people are almost surprised that like, how little detail goes into like all the shit that they've probably been putting too much focus on for so long so if i have someone who enjoys a glass of wine on a friday night then why the hell would i say we have to get rid of the glass of wine they're never going to stick to that Mm. but if that glass of wine fits within their you know 1800 calorie intake target they've got for the day then they're not on or off a diet we should never we should never be on or off a diet yeah. I just talk about a volume dial. We either turn the volume dial up and get a little stricter with, with yeah. really tracking how much we're doing and how much we're eating. Or we yeah. turn it down a little bit and get a bit more relaxed and it becomes part of your lifestyle. So you're not kind of spending every day while you're trying to lose fat thinking fuck I can't wait till you know September twenty eighth when I finish this fucking diet and I can go back mm. to doing what I was doing before. It's like it can build your life. Uh, regardless of whether I'm losing fat or, or not, I'm still eating the things I, I like eating and that's why people stick to it yeah because they don't they don't feel like they're deprived or they're not restricting themselves unnecessarily
1: yeah i love that it's so just way more digestible i'm sure people will love that man i'm conscious of your time but i've got two last questions yeah one
0: sorry i feel like i'm rambling on no right.
1: this is great I, this sorry, isn't my and i'm sure you this is how we did your podcast yeah. we just talk Drupal and people get to listen to it that's why right, people po- are still listening yeah <laughs> people are definitely still listening um one question what's coming up next what are you excited for what have you um yeah got on the horizon what should people keep a lookout for yeah what's coming up i
0: mean at the moment i'm, I'm just kind of really focusing in on on a couple of things being uh, my online coaching yeah. um services which i'm just kind of dialing in and and my my podcast which yeah. i absolutely love um My personal training, face-to-face stuff, I absolutely love that. I don't think I'll ever stop doing that, but it's probably not something I'm trying to particularly grow at the moment. I'm very fortunate to have a good um, kind of amount of clients that I'm working with and and I really enjoy training them. So a lot of my time and attention is going into just building the business and learning more and more um, within the business um, and and growing the podcast. Um, And it it tends to be that way um, kind of year in, year out. I find once you kind of know what your passion and purpose is there's not so much changing all the time it's more so just fine-tuning the things that are, that yeah. are already working or, or changing things up here and there that may not be working so yeah i mean at the moment just just really putting time into the podcast and trying to expand my network with people like yourself um, reach more people and and just grow the online space yeah
1: it's cool it's like you, it sounds like you're in a smart place where some people be like oh you should just get more clients but it's like yeah but you learn that you can scale, reach more people and positively affect more people mm. if you do it smart. Like so many people just be like, oh, I need to get more clients. I need to be working more hours. It's like
0: yeah.
1: when people can realize it, you just make little tweaks and yeah. be open-minded and be like, oh, you know what? If I do it online, then I can free up more time for the podcast and then, oh, like I'll grow the podcast. Like,
0: and I've changed that mindset. I used to be the opposite. I used to be like fucking, more if hours. I'm not working, I'm lazy. If I'm yep. not working, I'm not moving anywhere. Yep. But now it's, it's almost Strategic trying to strip working. back. And really figure out what my kind of main little pil- my main pillars are, and try and say no to everything else outside of mm. that. It's like I can't remember who's saying it is, but it's if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. Yeah, that's um, a good one. so it's like it's really trying to focus on the things that I, I know I need to do to continue to move forward and yeah. and, and be really um, intentional about those.
1: Yeah, and like Hugh Van Kahlenberg spoke about it in my podcast and gave me some good advice about protecting your energy and yeah. like especially we are lucky now that we have this fortunate space where by putting energy into like the podcast and the online stuff, it does, it seems like cheating. And I'm sure you feel like this sometimes too. It's like, I'm doing less work, but I'm getting paid way more. But it's like, but you just don't see the amount of reach you can gather through the online space. Too many people are uh, busy being busy,
0: but not productive. Yeah. If I can spend two hours a day being productive that's, that's far more beneficial than spending eight hours a day just fucking around just to say I'm busy, yeah. which is what I, I feel like. So I definitely wasn't cool. stuffing around, but I used to be in that mindset that yeah. I was like I almost wore it as a badge of honor. I was like, all right, I'm working my ass off. I'm working all, yeah. all day, every day. But I wasn't really being that productive. So yeah, I really like stripped things down scaling. to seeing what, what the highest priority tasks are that mm. are going to help move the needle forward mm. and, and focus on those.
1: Man, love that. Last question I ask everyone on this podcast, and you said you listened to Hughes recently, so you probably know what's coming. What does being a good human mean to Danny Kennedy?
0: In my opinion, being a good human is is not only I think, we're, and it's kind of coming back to what we touched on a little earlier, is experiencing life in like the most enjoyable and and um, I guess. And for me, exciting way, mm. but but doing it with the people that I care about the most. So, it's being a good human, being able to give back to other people. So it's like I find the biggest fulfillment in my life when I'm able to to give back to other people because that allows me to enjoy kind of my journey even more. So, so if I'm if I'm kind of going through life and, and doing well, but no one else around me is, or or if I'm not helping other people, I don't get that much enjoyment out of it. So, yeah, to me, being a good human is 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 always giving back first without any real expectation in return. And, and I feel like the rest kind of comes back to you then. Right. I love
1: it. Perfect answer. I guess the last thing is um, where can people find you? What's yeah? I'll put everything in the show notes as we all podcast yeah, know. now. Yeah, find yeah, it yeah. in the show notes, <laughs> but just for anyone. Uh, That's yeah. like the podcast's version of make is sure you make, comment, like subscribe. And subscribe. <laughs> I mean, I still, I still say that anyway, it actually helps. <laughs> you got to remind
0: people like it yeah. actually makes a big difference. Yeah.
1: By leaving a review, by subscribing, it
0: really does. Yeah. But it really does so, And your show is incredible. So um, uh. a- anyone of uh, anyone who follows my content that's listening to this, please do subscribe <laughs> to the <give> show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, the b- best place is probably just, uh, I put out a lot of content on Instagram, which yep. is just at DJK Fitness and the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast on either iTunes, Spotify or YouTube. And uh, you'll find the links to the rest of the stuff through there.
1: Bloody oath. Well, thanks for jumping on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, man.
0: I really do appreciate it a lot. Thank you.
1: Cheers, bro. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices.